Hi, my name is Scott McMillan. I'm the Managing Director of Invictus Energy Limited. We are listed on the Australian Stock Exchange. The ticker is IBZ. We're also listed on the OTCQB and the ticker is IBCTF. Invictus Energy is an oil and gas exploration company. We're focused on sub-Saharan Africa. We've got a very exciting asset in Zimbabwe in the Kabora Basin. Basin. Our license is Special Grant 4571. It um, contains the world-class Makuyu prospect, independently estimated to contain 8.2 trillion cubic feet and 247 million barrels of condensate. We're leading into a very exciting drilling campaign uh, coming up in uh, June, July this year. We'll be drilling two wells and uh, will provide uh, the ability for us to have material success, not only from an Invictus and a company point of view, but also potentially change the energy dynamics in the region. Scott, thank you for the introduction. Nice to meet you. Um, goodness, a, a Zimbabwean oil and gas play. Um, how exciting, how interesting, how exotic. It, it is, and, and Zimbabwe hasn't been a, a sort of ENP heartland for, for a long time. And it's not because of the, the below-ground potential. Um, you know, in fact, Mobile explored here 30 years ago and were very encouraged by what they saw, <clears throat> but thought it was more the petroleum system had more gas potential than oil potential, and they were looking for big oil targets. Now, uh, if you cast your mind back 30 years ago, very limited gas market in um, you know in most parts of the world, to be honest, not just in Zimbabwe, coupled with a slump in the oil price in the mid-90s, and then some above-ground challenges in Zimbabwe for the following 20 years made it a very difficult place to explore because um, you know the investment environment wasn't conducive but the government now has has changed in uh, in late 2017 flung open the doors for foreign investment we've been able to to pick back up where mobile left off and uh, they did leave behind a fantastic data set that we inherited you know, they spent 30 million dollars in today's money acquiring 2d seismic gravity aeromagnetic and identified this big Musrobani structure, which we've just recently renamed to Makuyu. Material anticline, 200 square kilometers under closure, the largest undrilled structure uh, that's seismically defined in, in onshore Africa. And so we've had a fantastic head start and uh, been able to move into Zimbabwe and, and, and pick up a great asset, work that up. We've, we, last year, we completed our own infill seismic campaign to mature the drilling locations, as well as identify any additional prospectivity. And so, uh, you know, we've been very successful over the last last four years since we acquired the project in, in uh, April 2018. Thank and you. now we're getting ready to drill. Exciting. But um, before we get into the, the, the details of the drilling and um, the, 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 the granular detail of the, of the project area, just stepping back a bit, onshore gas in sub-Saharan Africa, um, there's been Minati Bay and um, a few of the guys in Tanzania kind of producing, were doing gas to power, weren't they? That's right. Um, but there's nothing south of that until you get into South Africa. So there's kind of this, there's a gap, is there? Or are, is there some gas to power in between those two? You, you do. So you've got a, you did mention uh, Imnazi Bay, and that's, um, that's Marlon and Prom and Wentworth who are involved in that. You've got Songa Songa as well, which is Pan Africa. Mm -hmm. uh, that's um, that's a little bit further to the north of, um, but but also onshore Tanzania. Further south than that, in Mozambique, in the Mozambique basin, you've got Pandentamane, which is operated by Sasol, and that provides uh, actually at the moment 100% of South Africa's um, gas supply. So South Africa is entirely dependent on, on onshore Mozambique for their really? for their gas supply. Yes, 
And um, those, those fields are quite mature and, um, and actually come off plateau uh, either this year or next year. And so South Africa are really in a difficult spot now in terms of gas supply. And, and those fields were discovered in the late 50s, early 60s by Gulf. And part of the reason that Mobile didn't want to continue um, trying to discover more gas is because you had onshore fields in Mozambique that still hadn't been monetized at that point. So, and that was, 30, that was 30, 20, 30 years ago, but now they're kind of feel they're, they're mature. Um, they're, yeah, they are quite mature. They're in, you know, they're sort of midlife assets now, uh, and, and, and coming off plateau, you know, decent size fields, uh, r- roughly four TCF onshore. Um, and that, that pipeline was built down to the, the Romco pipeline was built down to South Africa, 870 kilometers and, and supplies all of. South Africa's gas into you know the heart of that industrial complex in in Gauteng and, and in Pumalanga, where um, you've got some some big energy consumers that are addicted to cheap gas that's been supplied from from Mozambique for decades, but is now is now waning. They've had some success further south um, offshore in the in the uh, basin with um, PetroSA that operated those fields. Those shut in at the end of last year, and just a little bit further south off the um, off the shelf in the deep water, you've had those quite yeah, huge discoveries uh, of kind of cove, cove energy and all of that, and total and all of that. That whole story. That's right, but but those face face a long road to to development because of the net ocean conditions. So, so yeah, it's it, it's been an interesting um, an interesting journey for gas in um, in southern Africa, but it is now you know widely adopted, widely used. You've got gas to power in Mozambique as well, gas to power in, in Tanzania. You know that's been a savior for their for their um, economy, really, and their and their industrial base. They they save four billion dollars in electricity costs from 2014 to 2017 because they're not burning heavy fuel oil, um, and, and uh, so that's. Uh, is there no gas off the Cape or on the Cape, or is that offshore? It's all offshore, wasn't it? That, that, those are all that the offshore the, discoveries in the Brazil mm, Basin. Yeah, yeah. Okay, interesting. Is the geology the same? So the the um, the productive gas in Mozambique that's been going for 20, 30 years, is that the same geology as you've got in northern Zimbabwe? We've got some of that geology. So those those discoveries in Mozambique are in the Cretaceous. We've got a we've got two main players. We've got the uh, the Karoo, which is the you know the the, the sort of widely widely chased Perma Triassic. Play, although most of the you know the focus has been on the Permian, particularly in the in the onshore um, in southern Africa, we've got a we've got something quite different where we've got Triassic source rock, and that's one of the key differentiators and the reason that we really like the Kabora Basin Basin. But also, and the Kabora Basin Basin is very different compared to most of the most of the basins in the region. What's also different about the Kabora Basin Basin that we you know, that we're exploring it is that you have a very significant amount of post-Karoo uh, sediment. So that is Jurassic and Cretaceous as well. So we've got a post-Karoo play and um, a- as well as the Karoo play, which, which, which does differentiate it, itself um, and comes, comes into its own depending on, on the depth and where you are in, 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 the, in the different parts of the basin. So we do have some that's similar, but also we've got a, an older play that that has been successful elsewhere. You know, Renegin and in, in, in onshore South Africa, their, their little um, methane play um, and, and helium play is, is from the Karoo. 
um, Recon Africa further to the west of us. That that's also a coup rage player, prim- uh, primarily Permian though. I'm 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 swimming around. You know, uh, it's been a number of years since I've done any kind of um, energy stuff in Africa. It's 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 been six or seven years, but um, essentially what you're saying is that you've got the the source rock to provide the the molecules. It's been cooked up to a stage where it's no longer in oil form, but it's it's trapped gas. Um, and you've got multiple horizons, which are potentially the, the 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 host rocks. That's correct. So we do. We've got. And again, one of the things that we really like about this basin is we, is their stack potential. So there's multiple source rock sequences. There's multiple reservoirs. And um, the good thing is, is that with this huge anticline that in, in Makuyu, it's a material structure, 200 square kilometers under closure. You know, so if any one of those comes in, it's um, it is um, company making stuff. The the source rock question, though, going back to that, <clears throat> the source rock is capable of generating from the properties that we've that we've identified. It does outcrop further to the west in the basin, so we've been able to sample that source rock directly, and we can track it back into into the um, the heart of our license area, which is the you know the sort of windows that you want to be playing in from a from a depth perspective, and we can track it in with those seismic lines. And the source rock is capable of generating both oil and gas. But from a maturity point of view, we think, and depending on which source interval we're talking about, it's been into the oil window, generated oil, been through that and into the gas and, and condensate window. And then we've had some uplift and it's popped pop back up. So there's going to be multiple phases of, of generation. And we're probably going to have a mixture of both oil and gas in the basin that will come into play because we've got multiple, multiple sequences. But the total organic content of the source rock is sufficiently high for you to be competent that you've had that. They, yeah, they're fantastic source, fantastic source rocks. And are they separate from any of the coal horizons, or is that a completely different question? I mean, because they, they, yeah, they are entirely separate from the coal horizons. It's not, it's not one of the ones that we're, we're focused on. That's in the in the lower Permian, which for most of most of the the area that that we're focused on in the fairway, that's that's over mature and, and and cooked out basically. So that you know we haven't even bothered with with. Um, with that low Permian coal unit. Okay, and, and again, I'm going to go back out even further away from the technical side, just, just to say you've got a special grant and you've got an 80% holding in the license. Does that mean that the government has got to carry 20% interest? No, so we have a local partner who has a 20% okay. interest. So we we farmed into the special grant 4571 in um, in 2018 and took an 80% stake uh, in that. More recently, though, we, we did sign... Um, signed an agreement with the Sovereign Wealth Fund of Zimbabwe to combine two license areas that had been under application, both from ourselves, but also from the Sovereign Wealth Fund. And we have amalgamated that into now our, our license, Special Grant 4571, so it all falls under that under that license. So that license area has been expanded from 100,000 hectares to 709 1,300, so a sevenfold increase in, in the license area. And that's an exchange for then providing the Sovereign Wealth Fund a 10% back in right uh, to, to our license um, post, uh, post-final post investment decision for any discovery that's made. Um, and I see that one of your directors is, sits on the Presidential kind of Advisory Council. It's very close to... The, the president of the country is, is so is, is is that a kind of a can you describe that kind of link how, how do you phrase that sure so so the so we've been very very deliberate in how we've gone about um, 
you know, our, our strategy and our entry in, into Zimbabwe. Um, you know, probably the reason, just stepping back even further, one of the reasons that we are there is because I'm Zimbabwe and my family, you know, is still there. So we've got access to opportunities and and the the knowledge of how to do business there that that other other companies just simply don't. Um, you know, with my background in in oil and gas, I'm a reservoir engineer and worked um, you know worked in Australia and in the oil patch for um, for a long time. So we had a unique um, you know a unique advantage in, in in that respect. But also knowing how to do business, we've we've had you know we've brought along. And brought a deliberate strategy in how we and how we go about in advancing our exploration program and our and our project. The director that you're referring to, Joe Matizwa, is uh, is a very renowned businessman in Zimbabwe. He is um, one of the most respected corporate leaders. He, he ran Delta Corporation, the largest listed company in Zimbabwe, for um, for a long time until he retired. And we, he actually came about because of he sits as um, as chairman of a. Of an institutional fund in Zimbabwe that that invested into into Invictus, and we brought him onto the board from there. But when the government changed in in 2017, one of the things that they did, you know, trying to bring back international investment into Zimbabwe, is go and um, put together an advisory council to you know to advise the government on you know this is what private private enterprise is looking for, and to provide that sounding board. To make sure that the policies that were being formulated were were sound and we're going to have the desired effects, and so so Joe sits on that on that presidential advisory council and and um, you know because of because he's so well respected, um, he sat he also sat on the Reserve Bank board uh, until um, I think until the end of 2019 or something. So very very well known uh, business identity in Zimbabwe, and that's helped us navigate um, particularly. During COVID, when when travel was restricted, you know, he was our director on the ground, and he, you know, he he helped us get a huge amount done. So, it has been key in having great local talent and and local knowledge and expertise to help advance the project. And and the same goes for our local partner as well, who, who's been key in in us getting our our social license to operate, both with the community that we that we're working with on the ground very closely with. And also in in, in in government circles. So we we've operated very differently to how oil companies typically do, where you have a quite an antagonistic relationship between operator and, and, and non-operator partners. This has been uh, been a very collaborative effort, and it's it's paid dividends for us. It's funny. I I, I do see a difference between the way the oil companies and the mineral companies uh, operate, because the oil companies so often just they come in for a short seismic program, they leave again, and it's it's very much fly in, fly out. Whereas the mineral exploration guys typically have to live and breathe and interact with the local communities on a constant basis. So the, the, there is that cultural shift um, or distinction between the two types of companies. But um, it's good to hear that you're uh, more local, and I'd expect that um, from someone who understands Zimbabwe. Yeah, and 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 we've I think we've done that very successfully, and and um, you know we've brought everyone along in the journey with us. We've had um, we've had great support from the communities, from from government, and that's really helped us progress this project quite quickly. You know, from when we picked it up four years ago, uh, when we when we first made made the acquisition, you know, to drilling in uh, shooting a seismic campaign, being interrupted by you know for effectively eighteen months with. With COVID um, and, and advancing to a two-well campaign 
within within four years is 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 pretty swift going, and that's because of of the way that we have we've managed it and um, and and had the support of everyone involved. So we're very pleased at how it's gone. I'm still slightly unclear exactly where it is in Zimbabwe. I've I've travelled a bit around Zimbabwe over the years. Um, I've driven northeast, south, and west, but um, I'd like to see on a map if you could. If you could, sure. Let me just pull one up for you. I've been on some legendary bus trips with a lot of beer drunk. <laughs> it is a it is a great place to travel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if you can see my screen, yeah. Yes, I we're can. Up, we're up in the north of Zimbabwe, so near the the junction of the um, the Mozambique border and then also the um, the Zambian border, where my cursor is here, just okay the, in the northwest. So, so this so red this red polygon um, is is our original license area. And the green and is the extended. The green is, is is the extended license area, and to the south of this is is Harare. So you can see Harare there, with, where my cursor is. And um, and where does the, the where does the Zambezi flow? So that flows kind the of the Zambezi um, flows along along the top through here, yeah. and then yeah. um, and then further west, and then goes into Lake Kaborabasa in uh, in Mozambique, which is what the basin is named after. Okay, and so you're on the south, south southern edge of, of Lake Kaborabasa. Uh, we're quite a we're, we're, quite a, yeah. south of rather rather. We're we're, we're south of we're, we're probably um, you know in the heart of our license area. We're probably a good 80, 80 kilometers away from um, from the southern shore of, of Lake Kaborabasa. Your prospect of resource nine TCF of gas and just under three hundred million barrels of condensate. Who? Um, signed off on that, and you know how. What was the work that was involved to kind of come up with that that exploration target or that prospective resource? Sure. So, so the nine the nine TCF and three hundred million barrels of condensate is across uh, two prospects. So, Masasa, which is roughly one TCF and uh, fifty million barrels of condensate, uh, that's over three stack targets, and then we've got Muzurabani or, M- or Makuyu, as it's been been renamed. That's 8.2 TCF and uh, and just shy of 250 million barrels of condensate across five stack targets. Those are independent numbers. The, those those aren't our internal numbers, although they're very close. And you know, again, being a junior company, we it's always been very important for us, and we knew because this target is so big. I mean, it's it um, you know 200 square kilometers under closure across, and you've, we've got closure at, at multiple horizons. It is very very big. And, and a structure like this, if it had been anywhere else in the world, would have been drilled by now. Uh, but it hasn't because it's been locked away because of the above ground. We had two independent um, assessments done. One, the, the first one was done by Netherlands Sewell and Associates. So they're yep. a, you know, equivalent of a big four accounting firm, but, but for, um, for petroleum, um, reserves and resources estimates. And then uh, we also had GTEC. Um, who are a UK listed firm, and they did they did a big integrated um, study for us, including the, the gravity and, and magnetics, because the, the, the seismic grid that Mobile had was so widely spaced. You know, we integrated as much data as as we could to help um, to help progress it. And so those those numbers that you see are, are, are from GTEC, but all of the you know all of the estimates from ourselves, Netherlands, Netherlands Soil and Associates, and GTEC are all very, very similar. And you've done quite a lot of infill seismic. Do these estimates they predate that seismic work? That, that's right. So we've got a we've got an exercise going on at the moment to update um, update our our, our, our um, prospective resources base 
uh, one from the new seismic, but also across the wider license area now that that's been expanded as well. So that's um, that's quite an intensive exercise given you know what we've seen um, from 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 um, from the seismic campaign, both from the amount of data that we've gathered, but also what we've identified in that wider license area as well. So so that's work that's that's in progress at the moment. Was it fiber size? I mean, did you have the kind of the truck the trucks going out, and or did you use kind of passive seismic or? No, we had fiber size, and we did a you know before we undertook the exercise, we did we did quite a lot of modeling work on what would work best based on on what we were trying to target and barber size was the was the clear winner so that that campaign was conducted last year by Polaris a Canadian company who um, who did a very good job we we acquired 840 line kilometers which is quite a big survey and that was done and completed in in November last year and was processed and the interpretation we've we've just completed so that's why that um, that prospective resources estimate is is a work in progress at the moment. You published your the interpretation of your seismic just a couple of weeks ago, didn't you? Yeah. So we we put out we put out an update of of what we've seen in in um, in the current license area. So that is with um, just on the on the Makuyu structure for. Um, do, you want to, do you want to pull up some slides? We can talk through some of those um, those images that. Uh, because um, there's a whole bunch of images that came Absolutely. out of that and it's really it's probably incorporated in your slide sure. deck. <clears throat> so what I'll, uh, what I'll show you first is what we saw in the um, before we shot our seismic and then take you through what, what we've seen after that. So you can see these faint black lines here, which are the, the previous mobile uh, seismic survey. So they shot a sort of reconnaissance um, type scale survey. And these lines are spaced roughly 15 to 20 kilometers apart, so very, very wide. And this, this big Muzrabani or, or Makuyu uh, prospect that we can see through here, uh, we can see all of these different horizons, the, the main one in the upper Angua, which is this yellow shaded horizon through here, uh, is this red outline. And then we've got all of these other targets through there. So we can hit all of these targets with, with one well. And then we've got the smaller Masasa prospect here in the east, and then we had this lead A uh, through here, which we could just tag on, um, on this line, this old line 13 and line seven through here on, uh, on these old mobile lines. So the, 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 the basis of going and shooting that infill was to refine the location for, um, to drill this huge prospect in through here, but also because of the spacing in, in this mobile survey, you know, given the, um, you know the typical trap density. We also expected to see quite a lot more with with um, with infill data. So uh, we uh, shot. Uh, sorry, sorry. Can you just go back? Just the, the, so um, that on the, the left hand slide uh, is that a seconds down? Is is that a time stamp on that, the left hand side? That, that is that is time. That's that's correct. Okay, okay. So it's not not so this, that. So this top, yeah. So this top horizon through here equates to roughly. Uh, 2,700 meters uh, okay. below surface level uh, at this top yellow horizon through here. And when you mentioned the lead A. What's how is that represented on the on the section? You know, so so this is this um, the sliver through here, and it is uh, I think this yellow horizon in through here. And what's what? But it'll become clear. And I'll 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 I'll, I'll show you what it's developed into now. Okay, with the new seismic. Okay, and just another question. Sorry, uh, sorry, going back. No problem. The, no, no. Um, 
it looks as if the so, so you're saying this is the data that was given to you, um, although you inherited. So, so mobile, the, yeah. So, mobile, so mobile left behind the, the the field tapes, and we reprocessed them. Um, and but those two, those those two lines, the north south lines um, mm -hmm. that they shot. Oh, there is one right through the middle, underneath the that, under. Okay, I was so this, wondering how you, I was yeah. wondering how you got the cross section without a line, but there is a line underneath oh, it. <clears> there is a line. Yeah. So, so this is line. Uh, I'm a bit heavy-handed on the um, on the dotted line through um, <laughs> through that north south section. No problem. So we had yeah. So we had we had we had the survey, which was a great you know great a great basis for us because going into a frontier basin to, to having to shoot this is is a is a big endeavor. Not not doing where to start, and you you're going to have to go and shoot infill, and that was mobile's kind of next step. So we then did that, and you can see those old mobile lines in green through here, mm -hmm. and these yep. new lines that we've infilled with. So that has reduced that that infill spacing to roughly 1.7 kilometers apart. And we also shot it in in uh, what's called a swath method. So we we were listening on the adjacent lines and shooting on on these lines. So we've got a kind of intermediate uh, product as well, which has been uh, been quite useful. We've got a fantastic <laughs> documentary. On our on our website on the on the campaign, which um, which which you can go and have a look at. It's about ten minutes long and just shows you the kind of environment that we're operating in down there and um, and and how it all went. And you pretty much covered the full anticline, the the four way closure. That's right. So so this is the the sort of big anticline through here. But there's a whole there's a whole basement hype trend, um, you know, through this through the central fault here that that is coincident with this. Um, and has been a some kind of compressional event, uh, which we can see all the way east, uh, west through east through here. So we've gone and filled in, and that's roughly where the where the Makuyu, that that big anticline that you saw previously sits. And then we've got what we've termed the sort of basin margin area through here, and then we've got some other, um, you know, some other interest through here. You so we've gone that. and. You can see the, the 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 basin bounding fault just crystal clear there with the kind of the the, it, the basin the the mountains it, to the south yeah, and can, then the the sediments the plat, plateau to the north. It's extraordinary. Right. So it, it's yeah. So it's so it's flat on the valley floor here, and and your and your change in in elevation from the very west of where the seismic um, survey is to to the east here is roughly forty meters. Uh, it's quite extraordinary, right. and you can actually see the. Um, the shoulders of the of the valley in the background here in this in this picture. Um, so yeah, it's quite quite extraordinary. So with with that, um, and then if you just keep keep in mind, this is the um, line ten from the new survey and line thirteen from the old survey uh, from from mobile days. We had them processed uh, concurrently as well, so we processed the mobile data set again, so that we had a common common contractor and and, and common yep. parameters. So we started to see some very interesting results from. Um, from this is the fast track data that, that we got just after the survey was completed. We're in this shallower horizon through here. We saw these bright, bright amplitudes through here that, um, and, and uh, these are faults cutting through here. So they switch off at the fault. Uh, we can see some, you know, some possible gas chimneys through here. Uh, but also what's been encouraging are these flat spots that we can see through here, which may be you know, indicative of, um, of hydrocarbon contacts. And then these bright burning amplitudes as well against against the basin bounding fault through here. So we've got multiple trapping configurations and um, sorry, and, just and some exciting. Just just to just for the um, for the layperson. So when you're talking about a flat spot, essentially what you do is you you 
you can see from the seismic that you've got the the geology, the strata has got a dip to it, which you can point out there. You can you yeah. can see that on the, on the map. But then exactly. underneath that, where the um, the oil and the gas contact or the um, might be, because that'll always be horizontal. That's that will create a flat spot, which is um, at an angle to the overlying uh, strata and. Can you just kind of describe what the the, the features in in the in an um, in a hydrocarbon saturated host? What what kind of, what creates the amplitude anomaly? Why do you get the bright spots? Sure. So so w- with seismic, what that does is measure the time that it takes for those sound waves that you generate to travel through the various layers uh, of the Earth and through different different types of rock. If you imagine. Um, Let's take a very simple example, a, a layer cake, um, where you've got multiple layers of, of, um, of cake. Um, you know, some of it very thick chocolate mud cake, maybe some of it's some vanilla sponge. Um, I'm, not a, I'm not a cake aficionado, but maybe some, maybe some black forest cake, maybe something else. They'll, that sound will travel through those different, different layers at different speeds. If you then fill those, um, those pores within that cake, with a different fluid than, than what's usually contained in them, which is, which is um, water or brine, where that'll fill up to, to an interface and then you'll find some, some equilibrium where it'll, where it'll level off. When those sound waves travel through those different layers and they hit a different interface, because you've got that, that interface, uh, it's going to travel through hydrocarbon-saturated layers at the same speed, but as soon as it hits the same the same um, layer, but with, filled with a different fluid. That's where you're going to get that that change and in, in, in where that interface is and that change in in character. So that's what you know what we're potentially seeing here, which makes makes it quite exciting. And the the, the fact that the you can see the faults in the structure, but the 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 bright spots to the down dip side makes you confident or gives yeah, gives and, you and I'll show in, in, increases your confidence that there's been no leakage along that fault. It, it, yeah, it does, and and we see we see some potential leakages through here, and, and none of these faults are going to be perfectly sealing. But up against here, and I'll, and I'll and I'll take you through some more recent work that we just released, which which is really encouraging. So this is what we saw early on in, in sort of November, just after we shot the survey, yep. and the processing um, the processing took place. So this, um, if you cast your mind back to where I showed you lead A from that previous from the previous mobile survey. This was um, so. This was line thirteen through here. This fair, yep. this this faint one through here, and then line seven on the old survey, which was uh, I think this one through here. Now we could see see basically this, and, and if you remember, it was a a sort of wedge shape like that. Yeah. And but those are the only two lines that we saw it on, and. Um, what it has now turned out to be is something that is is quite um, you know pretty large and pretty encouraging in terms of its of its aerial size. So it's turned into this this basically this orange shaded area through here because we've infilled with all of these seismic lines in between those two, and we've been able to confidently map it. So we could see it with this. We had another. Um, and also, we've we've shot not only dip lines but these. Um, these strike lines as well through here, whereas previously the um, you know the old mobile ones um, there was only there was only two strike lines. There's there's one further north from here, but um, 
that was it. So we couldn't really track this this feature all the way around to the north here, but we can now with this new survey. Not only that, but we've seen these amplitudes and these, if you um, remember back to the previous slide, we could see those cross-cutting, uh, th those moving across the faults, and we can see that here. But they also shut off at roughly the same two-way time, both on the um, the strike and the dip lines through here. So you can see that that clear anticline that's part of that, that same greater structure through here. And we've got termination both at this northern point here and across this um, across the um, the southern part of that dip line, but also across the strike line where it's switching off. So that 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 that's really encouraging um, from an amplitude perspective. Then taking an extraction of that amplitude, which is this next slide that I'm showing you here, which is the the gradient. So the gradient is is um, is often used as a direct hydrocarbon indicator and can indicate fluid fill as well. So taking um, sorry, an extraction... Sorry, I'm showing my ignorance here. The gradient, is is that the rate of change of... of the, what's, what's the gradient representing? Is it the rate of change of the, the signal coming back? Yeah, in, in, in layman's terms, that's that, that's roughly right. I'm, 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 um, I'm not a geophysicist, I'm a reservoir engineer. Um, and so... Um, but you can you can basically um, uh, take your rate of change across 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 this um, this window that we've that we've yeah, done here, yeah, and and yeah. that's and that's what creates and, it, and it'll hide it'll bring it and it'll create a differential and so bring out the high spots. That's correct. So so extracting that and and showing this this gradient map, it also then conforms to, to structuring where we've where we've picked and where we can see that that switching off. So if you if you track using this green contour. On the southern flank of the structure, which is which is nice and quiet, we do have quite a lot of faulting on the northern side of this major east-west fault through here. But that gradient tracks really well all the way through the southern side. We get to this fault through here, it switches off. And then if we follow, follow it all the way back, it then comes back in the north. Now, if you if you also think back, you know, and and it is it is quite complicated in this northern section, and perhaps because it's more faulted, we're we're seeing more, you know, potentially more of a of a leak in that in that side. So looking at if you go back to this um, some of this fast track data, this is on the southern side and this quieter flank that we see through here. We don't see any of those gas chimneys on the southern side through here, but as we go through that center, center of the structure where it gets a little more broken up and a little bit more faulted, we start to see some of those gas chimneys. So perhaps. We're looking at different contacts, um, you know, from the southern side to the northern side, but you know, this is a very, very encouraging sign that we see this this amplitude conformance to structure. We see them switching off the same two-way time, um, you know. So we, we, we've been we've been thrilled with the results that we've seen from the seismic campaign that that um, that we gathered, and there's more to come now. With um, you know, once that new license area is gazetted, we can, um, you know, we can release the results of um, of what we've seen in, in the remaining license area, which is which is quite exciting. So, so, so the, the new ground is outside of this area, outside of our original area, but we did get permission last year to shoot outside of that area. So we've already covered um, we've already covered a lot of it, and, and and that's why we've elected to go forward with a, a two well campaign. So we're going to drill Makuyu, and it'll be drilled on this, you know, on the southern side. Um, of the structure through here. So this is just the first target in a series of, um, of stack targets that we'll be drilling for the structure. So 
I mean, this this is a great um, great first up target for us. It's it's relatively shallow, sort of nine hundred meters at, at at this location to top structure. Quite a lot of closure through here. You know, this is this green contour down here is twelve hundred meters, so we've got got a lot to play in, um, and it'll prove up quite a lot of quite a lot of volume just on the southern flank. And then we've got another, you know, four or five targets beneath us as well that can provide us with some material success. The 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 thickest section though, your biggest kind of reservoir potential was it was was the deeper target though, the one that, that was, you pointed out was at around two thousand seven hundred meters depth. Oh, was that, that the Ayunga or the Ayunga? The Angua, yeah. So Angua. so that is um, that is that is in the deeper section. And um, I'll just I'll show that to you now. And that is so. There's primary targets. There's some there's some stuff that we you know that we must um, that we must investigate. And and we're looking at that here at the at the sort of 500 uh, this 500 horizon where we think it's Pebliacos or, or Upper Angua, and we can see this nice flat spot uh, through here. That A target is is the one uh, we just went through in that sort of post dandy level, quite shallow, and then we'll start to deviate the well. To um, to track down the backside of the the faults of that that structure that we saw in that earlier seismic section, and then in the six hundred as well, we've got uh, a little bit deeper. This is getting down towards sort of you know, three thousand meters or so. Um, that we've got um, got some other other targets too. When you've got a big target like this, and you kind of there are numbers of eight TCF, nine TCF. Um, you know, there's a there's a huge numbers, but when you when you drill. Uh, one upper target, you're not going to find nine TCF in that first target. You know, the 90 TCF is spread over <laughs> the entire license area. So, what's what's your, what what constitutes a commercial discovery in your mind? I mean, it may be too early to say, but you must have an idea whether it's a few hundred million barrels of oil or equivalent or TCF or BCF. Yeah. So, so the, 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 there's two parts. That one, one. What are you going to do if you if you discover you know multi TCF? <laughs> And you know the question is how are you going to commercialize it, and and, and we can get into that um, we can get into that um, shortly. But from a from a minimum sort of economic field size that we're looking at, you're probably looking at roughly you know three or four hundred BCF to you know to um, to have a commercial uh, development on your on, on your hands. And going back to your earlier example of of a Nazi Bay in Tanzania, in Tanzania, you know that's a really good example. That's that's roughly four hundred BCF. Um, it's about four hundred k's from from Dar es Salaam, where the pipeline runs to, and it, and it delivers feedstock for gas to power and, and industrial customers. So, so we've got a, you know, and that was done at, at sort of lower prices than than what you can fetch fetch nowadays. So, you know, anywhere around that sort of mark will will be off to the races from a from a development point of view. From a multi TCF, um, you know, discovery point of view, champagne problems, as I like to call Ooh. them. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and that's and that's always the question that we get asked. You know, you're landlocked. How are you going to develop this? Where, where are your markets? And and it's something that's been you know been quite overlooked, and that and, and the potential hasn't hasn't really been been realised by by industry by by anyone really. Um, but again, because of our local knowledge, because we understand um, the environment there, there's a huge number of ways to monetize it. So, firstly, we've already got a, a gas cell MOU with Sable Chemicals, who are a fertilizer manufacturer in Zimbabwe. They've been around since 1966. They used to produce ammonia by electrolysis, the original you know, green hydrogen company on the planet. Um, 
that was a 100 megawatt electrolysis facility, the largest one in the world, but that shut down in 2014 because of the lack of electricity and, and the expense of it. So they now import gas by rail from, from South Africa. And so they came to us and said, look, we understand its expiration, but we want to be at the front of the queue if you make a discovery. So, so that's a good route if you've got an MO, if, if you've got a kind of a, a minimum economic size. Yeah. They could help that kind of first kind of commercialization that, step. That, that'll under, underpin it straight away. Um, you know, it's for, for a substantial volume, 70 million cubic feet a day over 20 years, which is about what Imnazi Bay is now from a, you know, from a full field development perspective. It started off at 20 and grew to, you know, 70 or 80 or what it is today. From a gas to power perspective, you know, that's a huge market in, in Southern Africa. Power shortages there are well documented both in, in Zimbabwe and, and South Africa. But I think one of the the, the distinct differences and key advantages of, of that part of the world is you've got the Southern Africa power pool, which connects the grid from Cape Town all the way through to the Congo. You've got cross-border electricity trading that already happens and has run out of Harare. And so that will enable us to generate power and export it, you know, anywhere, anywhere through the grid. And, you know, again, you, you've, you've got um, uh, the, the deregulation of the, of the, um, of the generation and distribution sectors, both in Zimbabwe and, and South Africa at the moment. So you're able to sell directly to your, to your customers, not through a state-owned um, power utility, which is, you know, again, what's held up um, a lot of new gas to power developments because of the, the challenges that they've had in, in places like West Africa, where, where that was the case and the state-owned power didn't pay for it. And, you know, everyone ended up in a mess. So it is a very, very different scenario. Um, you know, and then we've got the ability to tap into that Romco pipeline that I mentioned earlier in Mozambique mm. and deliver gas and, and large scales of, or large volumes of gas into the South African domestic market. And what are the, what are the price, prices at the moment? Um, as I said, it's been years since I looked at um, onshore gas in Africa, but uh, the, there were two basic challenges when I was looking at those companies. One was price and other was time. You know, just things just took so long yeah so so on on the price side of things for wholesale for wholesale prices of gas in in, in south africa you're looking at at anywhere between eight and ten us dollars at the moment so you know very attractive from that perspective renogen who are developing a, a power a gas to power project there and a and a domestic gas business in south africa have have sold gas recently at 14 dollars. so you know you're looking at at um at very very healthy pricing from a from a South African market perspective, um, probably a little bit lower in, in Zimbabwe given given its its um, its landlocked. But you know we've got we've got pricing that certainly works for us. It works with Sable. Um, you know it's prob- probably will be the most competitive feedstock for from a power generation perspective going around. And then from a time perspective, again one of the one of the the things that we've been very deliberate in and in, in what we've what we've done and how we've gone about everything is to make sure that we have all of the provisions necessary to, to get to, to fast tracker development built into our, into our um, agreements with government. So uh, access to pipeline easements, all of the, 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 the um, approvals that are required, all of that's, that's pre-baked in so that, you know, if we are successful, we can get after a development straight away and not have to worry about it. But um you know, and on the pipeline side, we've already got the Harari to Bara, 
liquid pipeline that runs and has got a cross-border arrangement. So that takes care of the majority of your easement route to, to South Africa. We've got the Southern Africa Power Pool electricity um, pylons and those big easements for those for those um, the power grid that, that 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 carries power all over the region. Those are perfect to run pipelines down. So again, you don't have landowner compensation issues. You don't have um, environmental issues because all of those are, are already pre-done. So it's a lot less challenging than 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 at first um, you know first glance. Well done. That's that that sounds good. Um, so really, what we're talking about now is the countdown to drilling and then the countdown to I mean, this is it. This is the the big moment. You're standing at the back of the orchestra with your symbols. This time, you're gonna. It it is. It's been and it's been a long time coming. And I think um, you know, really, really pleasing to to have got here from from when we when we started out with this project. You know, we were a very small small company. We still are, but but we're a lot bigger than we used to be. We took um, destiny into our own hands with um, you know with soul funding the the seismic plotting our own path. Um, we've now. That we've completed the seismic managed to manage to attract you know a number of of industry participants uh, to the opportunity and um, you know we're running a farm out process at the moment and that that's gone very well and and been been well endorsed from um, from that perspective and um, you know now we're leading leading into the into the drilling phase and um, you know we're going to find out whether we've got commercial accumulations of, of oil and gas in the in the basin and whether we're going to change um, you know change the, the the region from an energy perspective um, for the better you know for, for for a long long time it could have huge implications so that's are pretty you, exciting are you looking to not go into the well on a 100% basis so we've got we've got 80% but we're, we're funding 100% with a, with a carry for our local partner um, Look, we're in a we're in quite a unique position as a as a company because we we've got very supportive shareholders. We've got a cheap onshore project for, in terms of drilling costs. You know, for to to to, to give you some contrast, um, Brulpada, which is one of the discoveries that Total made off the coast of South Africa, deep water, hostile ocean conditions, you know, a few hundred million barrels of condensate. So you know, similar size to to Makuyu. they tried to drill that in 2014, and that was $150 million um, escapade, which they which they couldn't complete because the the mid ocean conditions strong. were too rough. They came back with an up uh, with an upspec rig in in 2018 and re-drilled it for, for 200 million, and then made that made that discovery. We can chase something that's same size or bigger, you know, for for 15 million dollars. And so, the risk reward and the scale of what we're chasing are. are um, is something very, very rare, and uh, and I think now with our expanded license here as well, we've got the running room, um, our, our market cap, you know, and and our support that we've had from the shareholders has enabled us, you know, with the option to go and solve fund this. Um, we went out to raise money for the seismic campaign this time last year, and seismic is often the hardest thing to raise money for because in the market's eyes, it's not very sexy. It's quite a long dated process. And, and even if you conclude it successfully, there's no, there's no real catalyst um, with the seismic campaign. You don't have that, you know, kind of definitive answer. And we went up for six to 8 million and we got bids for 33 million in, in three hours and, um, you know, and shut the books. And so, Coming into the drilling campaign, we've got we've got people screaming at us to you know to 
to uh, to fund it. And so we're in a we're in a really lucky position. If if you'd um, you know if you'd asked me when we started this in 2018 or pre-COVID, we were in a you know a very very different position as a as a company. So so we're thrilled that we can you know choose either route, either by bringing in a partner to take some of the risk and some of the the funding off the table, or now you know and we've seen some very interesting seismic results now that now that that interpret is finished and um, you know it's a it's, we're we're in a good position so so really really pleased. Well, congratulations! I was um, I worked for a fund that was a significant shareholder in Cove Energy. We saw that um, come come right. That's a huge inflection, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you know this is this is the time. Great. Well, I. Well, I can say is good luck, and um, you know I'll keep watching the space. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see whether you do go for a farm out. I guess I guess that'll depend on the quality of the offer that you receive, and then the ultimate uh, proof of the pudding will be when that uh, hole first of all spuds in July, June or July, and then probably get down to first target in a couple of months. Is that well? No, it'll be it'll be a little bit quicker because you've got that new shallow shallow target that. Um... That we've identified, so that's only 900 meters. That'll be done in, you know, from spud. You know, probably looking at two weeks. Um, you know, till that's okay. from, from from spud till that's um, we find out what's um, what's causing those amplitude anomalies. Well, you're in the southern hemisphere, so hopefully it won't be a winter of discontent. This will be a winter <laughs> of content. <laughs> no, look, it's pre- it's pretty pleasant down in the valley um, that time of year. So um, so there so there won't be any any discontent on the from a weather perspective. Um, but let's let, let's hope we get the you know the result that that we've been chasing um, with the drilling. Well, Scott, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and I look forward to um, speaking to you again in the future. Thanks for having me, Merlin.